As most of you have heard, Billy Graham passed away this past Friday. Today we're going to talk about four things we can learn from the life of Billy Graham on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. Listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host. Uh, for the next 30 minutes, yours truly, Brian Chilton. Uh, we thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We are uh, doing something new uh, today as well. We are on Facebook Live. Uh, this is going to be on the uh, Bellator Christie Facebook page. So if you'd like to go and check us out and maybe leave some comments, uh, this is a good way to interact with the podcast as we do this live. Uh, so again, if you'd like to uh, if you'd like to do that, we normally record the podcasts on uh, Fridays, so uh, be looking out for that. Now, anytime we have interviews uh, scheduled or something like that, we won't be doing the live cast. Uh, but uh, whenever we do the commentary, like we're doing today, uh, then mosey on over to the uh, Facebook uh, live over on uh, the Bellator Christie page on Facebook, and then you can check us out over there. Uh, so uh, don't see anybody with us right now. Uh, I would do this too with my own page, and maybe something I consider doing that uh, with, with that as well. But um, right now we're we're at the uh, we're at uh, the Bellator Christie site on Facebook and uh, going with that. I do have several things to talk about on this edition of the podcast. Uh, first and foremost, I want to uh, let you know that uh, next week we will not have a podcast. Uh, trying something else here as well. Trying to have two live uh, podcasts going on, uh, two live uh, Facebook live things going on at the same time as we do the podcast. See if we can bring more people in. Uh, but so you can go to the Bellator Christie uh, site there on Facebook. You can go to my own personal site. We're going to try to have this. Going to try to see how this works and see how this goes. But again, if you'd like to interact with the podcast, this is a good way of doing this. Uh, just want to remind you again, uh, going back to the actual podcast, uh, next week we will not have a, sh- a show. Uh, I- I'll be um, um, working on uh, my Ph.D. intensive, so I won't be able to do the podcast next week. Week after next, though, we're going to have a very special guest with us on the podcast. That's Dr. Leo Purser. 
Uh, as I've called him before, he's the man. Uh, he is the uh, Ph.D. director of the Theology and Apologetics uh, Ph.D. program at Liberty University. Uh, he has written on Gnosticism, and we're going to bring him on the podcast as we talk about Gnosticism, what Gnosticism is, and um, the effects that we may even see in, mo- in the modern church today as it pertains to Gnosticism. So we'll talk about that here in a couple of weeks. And so uh, that, I think we're looking at, uh, we'll probably record it, I think it was March 8th. Let me get my dates here. March 8th, and so we'll have the podcast available to you that following Friday, March 9th. So that's coming up uh, week after next. March is going to be a very busy month as we get ready to uh, uh, celebrate Easter, and so uh, looking forward to some great things coming up there as well. I want to mention a couple of things before we get into the main topic today. Uh, first and foremost, I, I come across something that was shared on Facebook that I want to let you know about. Uh, it's called the... Um, it's by the Trumpet. There are several other uh, uh, articles out there on this the trumpet says, uh, has Elot Mazar discovered the archaeological evidence of Isaiah the prophet? And this goes uh, to, uh, discusses this, um, it, it seems to be a piece of, uh, it's like a seal or something like that has the name Isaiah. And um, she has discovered proof of King Hezekiah already. And the evidence uh, seems to be in the form of a clay seal impression or bula. Uh, this sensational discovery generated a lot of international attention, and rightly so. And now it appears that um, that uh, they may have even found evidence of Isaiah, uh, the writer of the prophecy that we have in Scripture in the Old Testament. So if this stands, uh, this would be huge. This would be a huge archaeological discovery uh, as it relates to um, the the prophet Isaiah, so go to my go to my Facebook page. I will try to have some information on the Bellator Christie Facebook page as well, and uh, hopefully, maybe um, sometime soon, we'll have some links there at the website. Oh, by the way, I forgot and uh, getting caught up with the new means we're broadcasting this podcast. I forgot to mention that the Bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com. We do encourage you to go to the website, and while you're there, be sure to subscribe. And once again, that's bellatorchristie.com. This podcast is also available on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, as well as Google Play. You can take us with you on the go. Subscribe, and you'll have this podcast available. I want to mention a few more things, uh, a few things that I find troubling uh, related to Billy Graham, and then we're going to get into four things that I think we can learn from the life of Billy Graham. I have heard a lot of people, I mean, Billy Graham died uh, this, this, this week, um, and I've heard a lot of people becoming hypercritical of Billy Graham, and that's just shocking to me, because Billy Graham is one who really tried to stay out of more controversial topics. He really tried to stay uh, out of a lot of the political discourse uh, by and large, and he focused, his primary focus was on the gospel of Jesus Christ. So of all the televangelists that you can imagine, the least you would think, the least likely you would think that would be criticized would be Billy Graham, uh, because quite honestly, he stayed true to the gospel message. But I've seen on Facebook, I've seen in several different venues where individuals have been very critical of Billy Graham. And um, 
Maybe you didn't like certain way certain things were done. I understand that. We all have our views. Uh, maybe he said some things you didn't like. I understand that. Again, we all have our views. We all have our perspectives. But I think that it's very disgraceful for us to, on, on the very week that a person has died, to automatically start saying horrible things about a person. Now, I understand on the one hand we don't want to venerate Billy Graham on the status of being God because only one person deserves our worship, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I understand that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I understand that. But I think we also have to guard ourselves against being hypercritical all the time. And it seems to me that our society has become one that has become hypercritical. Any minute problem we have with somebody, we will just try to pick someone apart. And I think that's really, I think it's really dangerous. I think it shows uh, bad, um, it's a bad tactic by us Christians, especially by us Christians. And quite honestly, we have biblical warnings about being so hypercritical. In fact, we look at uh, Matthew chapter 7. Verses 1 through 5. Now, I already know that there are going to be people who says, well, now, wait a minute, this passage of Scripture doesn't say that you can't stand against wrong. I understand that. I'm not saying that. But look what Jesus says. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you will judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? He says, hypocrite, first take out the beam of wood in your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take out the splinter out of your brother's eye. And again, this is not to say that we shouldn't stand for righteousness, that we shouldn't stand for, and if we see a brother falling or sister falling, we should reach out to try to help the person. But that also means that we need to evaluate our our own lives before being so hypercritical of everyone else around us. Um, there's, there's a satirical uh, article out on Babylon B that uh, poses a great question asking uh, whether or not uh, the people who are so hypercritical of Billy Graham have actually preached the gospel themselves. And I think it's, while it's a, it's, a, it's a message of satire, there's a great point being brought forth in that uh, in that article. Uh, We also see Romans 14 verses 1 through 4. Accept anyone who is weak in the faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. Uh, And and that's that's the main thing he goes on to say. He says, do not, uh, and and one who does not eat must not judge another who does because God has accepted him. Listen, we all have different tactics. We all have, we all have different um, opinions about things. But let us not be separated over those opinions. Let us be united by the things that truly unite us, the essentials of the faith. We also see 1 Corinthians 10.10 tell us, Don't complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. Talking about let us not become grumblers like the ancient Israelites who had just been redeemed from Egypt and find, found themselves grumbling over every minute problem that may have came their way I mean, God had redeemed them, God had proven himself to them, but yet they became so skeptical, they became so critical that they eventually even made for themselves a golden calf. 
So I think there's a good warning we find in Scripture. We also see in James, we have a couple of warnings in James. James 4, 11 and 12, uh, he gives a wonderful word here. James 4, 11 and 12 says, um, Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and one judge who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Billy Graham preached to more than 215 million people in his lifetime. Now, you may not have liked his tactics. You may not agree with everything he said. But understand, he preached to over 215 million people until we have that passion and are able to preach to 215 million people. We need to be careful about saying something about the man because, like it or not, many people came to faith hearing his message. And I remember many times listening to the message of Billy Graham uh, being moved myself, even though I was already a Christian. I can't even this day listen to that song, Just As I Am, without thinking about them playing the song during his crusades and seeing countless individuals come down committing their lives to Christ. James chapter 5, verse 9 also says, Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will be, not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. There is one judge, and we're not the judge. <laughs> There's one judge, there's one lawgiver, and that judge and lawgiver is Christ. But understand this, we're also told in the book of Jude, if you do something for Christ, and I think this is clear evidence of this fact, if you do something for Christ, you are going to be scoffed. And I think this is evidence of that. If you stand for something, and if you stand for Jesus Christ, understand there you will have scoffers in life. Jude, uh, in verse 18, says, They told you, in the end time, there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people have created divisions and are worldly, not having the Spirit. Again, we got to be careful. We need to be careful about casting judgment. Uh, in fact, I remember hearing one time Billy Graham, uh, someone talking to him, and, he said, and they said uh, to him, said, Well, you've got... These uh, ultra-conservatives angry with you, and you have these ultra-liberals angry with you. What do you think about that? And he says, well, as long as I keep both sides mad at me, I figure I'm pretty much where I need to be. <laughs> and I think you might be right on that. But what are, some, what are four things we can learn about Billy Graham? Well, I, I've written these things down. There may be many more things we could, uh, we could discuss on this, on this uh, topic. But I think we can find four things that we could uh, learn about the life and ministry of Billy Graham. Number one is his evangelistic zeal. He had a passion to preach Christ. He had a passion um, to, to, to preach Jesus Christ, to preach the gospel to as many people as he could. And let's also understand here, when we're talking about Billy Graham, we also have to uh, discuss and think about and contemplate the in many countless individuals who also helped make these crusades possible. There are many individuals, you know, think about George Beverly Shea, the wonderful, beautiful voice he had. Um, I've started trying to help our choir sing. I don't know how much help I am to the choir, 
but I usually sing more of the baritone bass version. But boy, I'm gonna tell you, I don't hold a candle. I can't even come close to 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 the to the notes that George Beverly Shea hit whenever he sang. And I want to tell you, he was a great singer. And one day, I think we're going to be able to hear him sing once again on the other side. And uh, but but he was enjoined by by George Beverly Shea. He was enjoined by countless others. In fact, if you get a chance to go down to the Billy Graham Library, I, I encourage you to do that down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, they have uh, they they show just how many people helped put on these crusades. And there were many people working behind the scenes to make this work. So the first thing is uh, we see that Billy Graham and the countless individuals who helped him, they had this zeal. They had this passion to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Billy Graham even said, I heard him say several times, that he, wish, he wished his name wasn't even attached to the crusade because he only wanted God glorified. He didn't want the glory for himself. And in fact, even at the library, he, he didn't want a lot of pictures of himself. And if you'll notice that at the library in Charlotte, there's a, at the barn there's this massive cross in, in the windows of the, of, the, of the barn because he wanted Jesus proclaimed. And I think it's very interesting that even in Billy Graham's passing, you found another crusade taking place because all across news agencies, all across the media, you heard the message of Jesus Christ being proclaimed either by his words, by recorded uh, videos, or by testimonials of those who'd come to Christ or who, or who knew uh, Billy personally. I think even in his death we saw a, uh, an evangelistic crusade. So Billy Graham had an evangelistic zeal. Oh, that we too would have that. Listen, Billy Graham would tell you that there's nothing special about him. The, th- the person that was special is Jesus Christ. You have, if you've been saved and you, you have the Holy Spirit of God in your life, you have the ability, you have the potential to reach countless individuals for Christ. The only thing holding us back is ourselves. The Holy Spirit can use you to reach people, and I'm going to just tell you the, tell you the truth here. He's, he, can re, he can use you to reach people that I can't reach. He can use you wherever you may be in life, in your station in life. He can use you to reach someone for Christ. And I want to tell you, even if you just see one person in your life come to faith, then I'm going to tell you that is worth it all. We all could learn from Billy Graham about this evangelistic zeal he had. We, that we should have that same type of zeal and carry that message forth as we're challenged to do so. I hear people asking, who's going to be the next Billy Graham? Well, to be honest, we all have that potential as believers to, to stand up wherever we are, to stand up for Christ and share the message of the gospel. Again, he preached to over 215 million people. But I'm going to tell you, with the advent of the Internet and the technology we have today, we have the ability to reach even more than that. We have the ability to reach multiple countries and nations, even without leaving our home. Are we glorifying Christ in the things we do and say? That's a big challenge we have from the life and ministry of Billy Graham. Number two, effective simplicity. Billy Graham's messages 
were incredibly simple. In fact, they were so simple, even a child could have understood what Graham was saying. And, and understand this. I'm working on my Ph.D., just have gotten started. And in fact, I, I was with um, Adam Corman on his podcast earlier this week. And I told him, and it's, and it's so very true, the more I learn about the Bible, the more I learn uh, about God, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> in fact, the dumber I feel like I become, the more I learn. Because the, the Bible is a well that cannot be completely explored. Because you go down one path, then you see 10 more paths open before you. You go down one of those 10 paths, and then you see 20 more opening up. You go down one of those paths. I mean, the more you go, the deeper it becomes. I mean, there's no way to completely conquer the Bible. It's just too complex. But in like manner, we have to say that the message of the gospel is so simple that a little child could understand it. It's complex, so complex that it stumps the greatest of scholars, but it's so simple that a child can understand it. And I think that we could learn a lot by Billy Graham uh, in the sense that he kept the message very simple. He kept, the message so, he kept the message simple, and that's what really applied to individuals. People heard the message, and they understood the message, and then the Holy Spirit worked on their lives to bring them to salvation. So effective simplicity. Number three, Effervescent transparency. And what I mean here is when Billy Graham first came to faith, he came to faith under the preaching ministry of Mordecai Ham. At that time, Billy Graham was very skeptical of the ministry. He had heard of a lot of problems. He had heard of uh, some very shady ministries, uh, some individuals who weren't quite uh, honest in, in their dealings. And so Billy Graham admitted in his early life that he cared more about baseball than he did about religion. And he did not really, really want to go into ministry, you know, because you know, he was even against, uh, you know, really against the whole idea of religion there for a while. But when he came to faith, when he came to faith and he entered the ministry, he wanted to make sure that everything that he'd done was on the up and up. He wanted to make every, sure everything he'd done was transparent so that he could not be accused of doing anything bad or anything mischievous. Um, in fact, it's even said that there were countless times where he was preaching in a certain location and he would have someone go into the hotel room to check the hotel room before he went in himself. And I have heard that there were several occasions where there was a, uh, a person in lying in wait, uh, a lady uh, lying in wait in there, and then some, and some cameras, uh, some reporters with some cameras back in the back, trying to take a snapshot of Billy Graham and this woman in the hotel room to create a scandal. He was very wise in how he, in how he uh, handled the situation. But I think we also in ministry, especially if you're in ministry, we need to hold that same type of transparency in our lives. Uh, we need to make sure that everything we do is done with integrity. Because if it's not, people aren't going to take our message seriously. And I think, I think that it is absolutely amazing that Billy Graham preached for the number of years he did to countless countries, to countless nations, to, to over, again, over 215 million people, 
and he never, to my knowledge, he never had a major scandal in his career. He never had a major scandal in his life because he tried as hard as he could to make sure that he was as transparent as he could be. And, and friends, I want to tell you, as we are living in a day and time where the message of the gospel and we as Christians um, have a lot more scrutiny uh, and criticism than we have in times past, that makes this point even more important that we need to make sure that we're transparent in everything we do and say to make sure that we have integrity. Because if we don't have integrity, people are not going to take us seriously. They're already, they're already skeptical of the, of the gospel already. They're already skeptical of the Bible. If, we're not, if we don't have integrity, then that's going to absolutely set on fire anything uh, and burn down any, any, uh, anything, any possible good that we could have done. So we must have integrity. And last but certainly not least, his emotional humility. Billy Graham had great humility. And I'm going to tell you, as a preacher, it's, it's very disheartening whenever you, you, know, you preach messages and, and you, uh, you, you preach your heart out and someone comes to you and says, Well, preacher, you did a good job, but did you hear so-and-so? They did it even better. You know, or something like that. You know, that's very disheartening. You, know, you preach your heart out. You, you try to do your best, uh, but unfortunately, you're, we as preachers are always compared to someone else. Well, this actually happened to the great Billy Graham. So my preacher friends out there, listen, if it happened to Billy Graham, <laughs> guarantee it's going to happen to you too. Uh, but I like the humility because, that he had because there was a certain story where this person came up to Billy Graham and they said to him, you know, Billy, you're not the best preacher I've ever heard. How is it that you have been elevated to such a high status? How is it that you have become so uh, so so, um, so popular? I mean, there are other preachers a whole lot better than you. And he gave this response. He said, well, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, do you ask yourself how that turtle climbed up the fence post? Or do you ask yourself who put the turtle there? <laughs> I think it's a wonderful answer. But it shows the humility that Billy Graham had. He didn't try to make himself more than what he was. He knew that he was just a simple country farmer, uh, had been a farm boy uh, from North Carolina, who was just radically transformed by the message of the gospel. And we would do well as believers to try less to elevate ourselves and try more to elevate Christ. Because that's what, we've been, that's what we're supposed to do anyhow, isn't it? We're not supposed to elevate ourselves. We're not supposed to try to really become popular for our own good. We're supposed to share the message of Christ to a lost and dying world so that people can experience the same transforming message that we have experienced in our own lives. So I think we can learn a lot. Yeah, he has criticisms. There are people who criticize, but I think there are certain areas that we could learn a lot from the life and ministry of Billy Graham. Well, our thoughts and prayers are definitely with the Graham family, and we just want to thank you today for joining us for the Bellator Christie podcast. We do encourage you, go to bellatorchristie.com. Be sure to subscribe. Uh, by doing so, you'll receive all the articles and uh, links to the podcast as they become available. Go to the apps. I can be found at iTunes, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us as well. This is Brian Shilton saying God bless. And remember, the 
expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read. One that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. The Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to true north. The Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of BellatorChristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today. Life. Liberty. And the pursuit of happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career. You've heard their music here on the Bellator Christie podcast. Now you can see them live in person. Crosby Lane will be with us Sunday. March 18th at 6 p.m. at Huntsville Baptist Church in Yakinville, North Carolina. Come hear their song, Crucified, that's played here on the podcast, as well as many others. 
Once again, that's Sunday, March 18th, 6 o'clock p.m. at Huntsville Baptist Church in Yakinville, North Carolina. Admission is free, but we will take a love offering to help cover expenses. We hope to see you there.